0: Father, we just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We are at the 76th Q&A, Father. We just thank you, Father. In the midst of everything, we have you. And if we have you, Lord, that's more than enough, Lord. For if you are with us and for us, who and what can be against us, Lord? Thank you, Father. We commit this session into the hands so many questions. We do not think we'll have the time to finish them all. But, Father, we pray for wisdom from above discernment <clears throat> from above that our answers should be in agreement both with your word and with your spirit Amen. the person of jesus christ O oh lord help us lord to be true to both you and your spirit lord help us to be true lord we come at this time into thy hands let the word the answers bring comfort conviction strength to your children For in Jesus' name we pray, Amen, Amen, Amen. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall set the ball rolling. Pastor, we'll start with uh, some
1: family-related questions. Yes. This Uh, is is question number two. Question Uh, number two. Losing patience with children for misbehaving or not doing their age-appropriate tasks, etc., has been on and off, though I'm conscious not to be hard on them for what they have gone through, especially my younger one. He starts to cry after doing something naughty or pinching his brother even before I inquire however however at times it goes out of my hands that I become potentially wild with stress etc and words unleashed on the boys could be that it was a stressful day with unexpected turnouts etc and I failed to handle it properly so full-blown anger etc or uh, so there's a full-blown anger my elder son stands frozen with tears slowly trying to well well, Um, dwell and hold, and he gets into a panic a bit. I know I could have uh, dealt in a different way, but the spur of the moment blows it away. During the devotion and prayer before bed, I take time to make sure that I tell him that mom's reaction was bad today and no excuse to counter your behavior. And I sincerely apologize and sorry for behaving in such a way with a big hug and kiss. Sometimes heart feels so heavy even after that. My poor boy takes time to... Sort of fully get down, get back to normal with this cheeky behavior, please share t- some tips to better handle the anger with kids without breaking in anger, breaking in anger, and then down okay
0: like this is uh you know from the question this is a single mother asking this question, and we we have to look at the pictures the ideal picture, one ideal picture, two, then the terrible picture three onwards ideal picture is where uh, you have a godly father and a mother that's the ideal picture there are no conflicts okay second ideal picture is the ungodly one stays out and there's only one godly parent in the picture that's a second ideal wherever there is a split wherever there is a breakup if the one who is not interested the ungodly one just just disappears he or she disappears the child actually there's no conflict in the child you get conflict in the child because we need to realize that the child should not have conflict mm. that's where it all comes from and then the third picture is of course where both the parents are ungodly meaning indisciplined then it becomes even more difficult to discipline but s- simple fundamental tips i still have it in my bible <laughs> okay First thing about discipline is one thing is that the children need consistency. Mm. Okay, Meaning, God is consistent in his discipline about us. Because like we saw in the morning, his righteousness is not some rules he sticks to, that's who he is. Therefore, he's always consistent. Parents sometimes are not, they have mood swings. So a child could get away today with something which she did not get away yesterday because today you may be in a better mood and yesterday <laughs> you were in a terrible mood. Mm. So your moods have, are irrelevant to what the truth is. Yesterday you may be in a terrible mood, today you may be in a good mood, but if the error of the child, whatever the child did was the same, the punishment meted out is still the same. The discipline is still the same. It does not differ according to what. That is where consistency has to be there. And children are very, very sharp. Remember, they're born in sin, shaped iniquity. So they have a mind which is not kosher. They're very easily able to see how they can get away. Mm -hmm. How they can get away, okay? Second thing is Proverbs 13 and verse 24. 13, 24. Hmm? yeah can we have yeah. he who spares the rod hates his son but he who loves him is careful to discipline him okay so discipline and we Jesus will talk about that okay now discipline is through a rod mm. a rod now we are not generally it's talking about a stick itself because uh, uh, there's uh, only a very short period when you can use a stick a rod after a season, the children outgrow it. It simply did not work. But the principle of the rod continues hmm. until the child moves out of the house. A teenager gets his own means and moves out of the house. The principle of the rod continues. But the rod is not part of you. It is not part of you. It is not part of you. The rod is not part of your body. It's not a part of your, of you. It is something which you take whenever needed. So, the fundamental principle we were always taught, is, taught was that never you use your hands to discipline your child. Getting the picture? Mm. Hands are for loving. The rod is for disciplining so that the child always knows the difference. Always knows the difference. The rod can change. You can... I mean, depending upon the culture in you grow up, children who get their weekly pocket money, whatever that is taken, they are grounded, their TV is taken out or the gadgets are taken out. You can have, depending upon how you choose, okay, how you choose. And that's where you have to be very, very careful because sometimes what happens is when we are disciplining, okay, we'll come to that, okay, so please be very, very, very Careful about it. Then, if I am right, Proverbs 22 and verse 15. 22 and verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Meaning, the, the mode or method of discipline you choose should be an experience for them to remember. Otherwise, it will not make any difference to them. If the discipline, like, you know, you need to realize the mind is uh, all bound up with absolute junk, folly, foolishness. Hmm. Okay. And the thing is that you cannot sit with them and counsel them all the time because they are not going to get it. What they will get it is a good whacking. Okay? That is a rem- whatever it is, whatever rod you use. Okay, many countries you cannot beat your child. But there are a lot of other things which you can do. Okay, when the child is told 30 days you are grounded and all his pleasure is gone from his life. No TV, no gadgets, no meeting friends. 15 days, 2 weeks, okay, this, and they should be so miserable because of that, meaning it should be an experience they will not forget experience they will not forget. Otherwise, it is irrelevant. The discipline will not make it. They don't even take it as a discipline. It will not change them. Okay. Then if there are two parents, okay, in the house, because we have to use both cases. Now, there are many, many millions of homes only with one parent, two parents. There should be always agreement about disciplining. Mm -hmm. Always agreement about disciplining. Because if there is no agreement about disciplining, the child will will break through and go to the one who does not discipline. And the thing is that whenever there is conflict between the parents, the child is very smart to see it. And the children will try to make maximum use about that. Okay, that's where uh, Isaac's family fell apart because the parents had favorites it simply will not work so there has mm. to be this thing okay and then you should always discipline your child in self-control it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit ask the Spirit to help you, you should never uh discipline the child in anger it defeats the purpose yes it defeats the purpose. Yes. Okay. That is, we need to, that's what I, that's where the, the mother says, you know, you are stressed out, you are, but none of that is the reason to discipline your child or not to discipline your child. Okay. Not to discipline your child. Mm-hmm. When you discipline a child in anger. Okay. When you are angry, when you discipline the child, Usually it does not, it does not work because the child is not looking at the discipline. The child is more intimidated by the anger. Intimidated by the anger. Okay. So these are fundamental things which you, usually what you need to do, I mean, would do is that um, two boys are fighting, separate them. (laughs) Calm things down. And when you are calm, discipline them. Yep. when you are calm discipline them and if you are calm you can straight away discipline them but the discipline has to be something which uh, like it like i said it should be something which they understand which uh, it's, it's a rod of discipline it's an experience and it has to be consistent you cannot threaten them you cannot threaten them. Like when we in the old days, when we used to counsel parents, you will tell them that, get a cane. In India, you can use a cane. Don't worry about CPS at all. <laughs> you can use a cane here as long as okay? you can use a cane. And the cane should be kept there. Don't keep telling 15 times, I will take it, I will take it, I will take it, I will take it. The fellow will also take it, take it. I'm waiting for you to take it. And don't let him play the fool with the cane because boys can be very smart where they will take the cane and they will hide it, they will break it and throw it and all that. And you know what? Then you get the next cane and give it an experience first for breaking the first one. Okay, Because these are things they will do. They will push you. They will push you. But if you are consistent in your discipline, they will know that you cannot be pushed. Mm. Okay, That's the thing. The children will try to push you. And if you are consistent, they will realize that you cannot be pushed. Discipline is consistent. And dad or mom is not angry. They don't have to be angry. You do it, whether they' are in a good mood or a bad mood, you will get it. Mm. Their moods have got nothing to do with it. It's got to do with my behavior. These things have to be consistent. Discipline, and God is very consistent in his discipline. He has no mood swings. He's always at peace. <laughs> okay, God is always at peace. But he will discipline his children. Okay, he doesn't change, never changes about that. And we need to ask God uh, to help us through this. And especially when you are a single parent. And also let me put this rider at the end of it. All we can do is discipline. We cannot change a child. Only God can change a child. Mm. Okay, when we have done our part, Hand the child over to God. Ultimately, okay, we we are not ultimately responsible for anybody's life except ours because we simply do not have that control, even our own children. Sometimes, what happens, parents get overbearing and overprotecting, protective because of anxiety and worry. They're very angry. Look at the world and say, "Oh my gosh!" But the simple question is, how long? How long can you protect them? How can we, you know, you cannot. There's a, there's a time, time given. Jacob was overprotective about Joseph. He was overprotective about Benjamin. So if you know, look at Benjamin, you can see he was overprotective about Joseph. But God just tore him out of his hands and send him out. Okay. So we need to realize that we cannot discipline our children, train our children either out of worry, Anxiety or fear. Mm. There are three commands which as God has given. One is do not fear. The other is be anxious for nothing. And the third is, uh, do not worry. One is Matthew 634. The other is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. And one is 300. We can pick yours. Same. Wherever he has said. And these are commands. These are not counsels. And we can deal with our children out of fear, out of anxiety and out of worry, and God says, you do this thing out of discipline, it will not work ultimately. Ultimately, we have to do what we have to do, but ultimately, like Abraham did, hand our children over to God, and God will handle them. God will take care of them. Faith will come over there. Faith will really, really come over to there, where we believe that no one these are things believing parents have to take it into heart. First is from 1 Corinthians 7. My child was sanctified right in the womb because of the faith of the parent. Amen. Two, I have done what I could do within my limitations as a parent. Three, I have committed my, dedicated my child to the Lord in church or whichever way. I have dedicated my child and I have handed my child over to God's hands. And whatever is handed into God's hands is safe. You have to believe. My child will not be lost.
1: Hmm.
0: My child won't be lost. God will do everything that he will do to see that the child reaches his ultimate destiny safely. The discipline that we give him is not to save him. Hmm. We cannot save a child. The discipline that we give the child, him or her, is so that he will prosper. Hmm. He will prosper. That is the purpose. We are not disciplining a child to save Nobody can save anybody, only God can. We are disciplining a child so that after he is saved, all these things will work for him. For him, exactly. Work for him. Will work for him, okay, post-salvation. But our primary concern is salvation. Mm. That's in God's hands. And you should be absolutely be very sure about it. Absolutely be very, very sure about it. You know what? My children will be saved. I'm not going by what I'm seeing. I'm looking, putting my faith in the word of God. The word of God says very clearly, by faith, your child is set apart. It has been so. Who set it apart? Mm -hmm. God set it apart. And God's word set it apart. And I will stand on these two witnesses. Mm -hmm. He said it, and his word says, that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. I will stand on my word. And I will bank my life on my word that my child will be saved because God said it. Okay, and you know why is this is important because once because all the worries of believing parents are not about their future or their career, it 's always about their salvation. Mm-hmm. The worldly parents worry about future career and all, but godly parents always worry job's entire fear was about that he had enough money he wasn 't even bothered about their future or career he built gave them all homes and flocks they had everything. But he was very worried about their salvation, mm. okay, and that is one thing we should not worry. We do what we have to do, but we are absolutely putting our trust not on what we are doing, but what God has said about our children that our child. I will give you that verse for people who are listening first corinthians chapter seven seven fourteen seven fourteen. First Corinthians chapter seven verse fourteen. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, so in powerful super, words, super they cool. are holy. They are holy, sanctified. Okay, they are holy. As it is, they are holy. All it only takes is the faith of one parent. One parent. And all the ones who are writing, whether single or otherwise, they are but they are believing parents or believing parent. The Bible says your children are holy. And we need to stand on that. Like we stand on our salvation, not on our works, but what God has done and God has spoken. We stand for our children on what God has spoken, and you know what? Anxiety will go because you know what? Whenever children, especially today as well, as our children grow older and they become teenagers and they go into the world and they get into that music and all kind of scene, they get in. Anxiety level will start going up. Hmm. Anxiety level will going up. You know, but we we have to believe. Okay, God had chosen Joseph, and Egypt cannot destroy him. Mm. He was chosen in his mother's womb, set apart in mother's womb. And Egypt cannot destroy Joseph. It cannot Joseph. We look at what Joseph did, but we don't look at it. It has been already preordained that Joseph will not fail because he has been chosen in his mother's womb. He has been set apart. I'm not taking out human will over there, but I'm saying that the sovereign will of God can overrule human will too. Mm. Sovereign will of God can. So there is this thing about predestination there and the human will. They go work together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they work together. okay So if you are a believing parent and you have a child, the sovereign will of God has already operated over there. Your children are holy. holy. exactly Children words. are holy. Mm-hmm. It's the words. It's 1 Corinthians 7.14 is a very comforting word for so believing parents whose children are disobedient. Yes. Okay, you say, you know, I stand on this. I stand on your word. I stand on your promise. Yes, Pastor. One mm. question that mm. I had, uh, when you were talking about this, just, uh, mm. maybe
1: slightly off, a little on a different tangent, because mm. when you're saying, you have to, your discipline has to be consistent, mm. uh, irrespective of how you feel, uh, whether you're feeling good or feeling bad. Mm. Now, often I've seen, at least in Indian families, mm. there's a lot of emotions that, that get involved. Shouting or screaming or whatever it is. the Whatever demotion mm. or outburst people may have. Mm. And I also have observed when when I talk to people generally in, inside the church mm. uh, specifically is that a lot of people when they look at scripture or even they, when they listen to the message they try to look at scripture from the prism of their problems. Okay. For, for example, um, they will look at a particular scripture and they try to interpret it from the experience that they, that they have had. And that is how they even respond. Now that is not the way, if, at least to the best of my knowledge, mm-hmm. scripture is objective. You have to look at the situation. I mean, look at what it, say, what it is saying and then you have to apply it into your life and not look at scripture through the prism of your problems or whatever situation that you're going through mm-hmm. or whatever baggage you may be carrying. Mm-hmm. But I often have seen many times when you, when you talk to people generally also, mm-hmm. is that I have seen that uh, even when they listen to a message, for mm-hmm. example, uh, you, you, be, you could be saying something mm-hmm. in a very different way. And they'll take it and apply it in a completely tangential context. So, so, how do you? How does one guard against such such? uh, Is it right? First of all,
0: is it right for? For example, I mean that's tomorrow morning's message. The answer, (laughs) okay, because um, uh, when we were saved, when we were saved, we were saved by one word of truth. One word of truth. Okay, That's James 1.18, one word of truth. We believed. But our entire mind is full of junk. Mm, exactly. Full of the lies of the enemy. And each of these lies have to be broken down. Mm. Broken down. And that's the, that's the salvation of the soul. So there is the bondage of the mind, that is our thought life. There is the bondage of the emotions. Emotional bondages are there. And that's uh, um, Luke uh for 1718 uh, where jesus talks about the broken-hearted and the bruises yeah. okay it's emotional bondages and there is the bondage of the will mm-hmm. we saw on from timothy that the enemy has taken our will to do his captive our will to do so all these three have to be set free mm-hmm. exactly okay? set free we can be very uh, attending church and be self-willed mm-hmm. self-willed all these three but this is a process this is a process, and God—that's why God is so very. Uh, patient. But again, okay, again, what happens is uh, you you listen to the word, and uh, the thing is that it's not just your uh, experience; that you apply it to your experience. It is not so much the problem. The problem is when you just take it with your emotions. That is the problem, when you take it just with your emotions. And the problem with emotions is it will not sustain you. That's why uh, by Monday, Tuesday, uh, the effect of the word is already gone because you just took it with your emotions. Emotions keep on fluctuating. Mm. It keeps on fluctuating. That is basically what happens. Emotions is in the forefront. We heard a million times, emotions are terrible masters, but they're very good servants. But when emotions are your your master, like the sister is writing, Mm. when emotions take over and you discipline, then... uh, the discipline does not work the children are hurt they are not they are not looking at the discipline they are not even being convicted of what they did wrong they are actually looking at the rage of the parent mm. the good part is, is this mother apologizes hugs them and says mommy is sorry but the problem is the discipline is not working mm. Something good has happened. The parent has accepted I was wrong and I shouldn't have done it. That's a very good thing, but the actual discipline part is not working. That is where we need where, where, where we need control, where we need to ask the Holy Spirit, help me, Lord, to 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 exercise self control in this. It's a process, yeah. but you know there are no perfect parents except yeah, exactly God. That's but that's right. not an excuse. It's true. Excuse. We still have to do what we have to do, and we have to believe what God has said. Okay, and wherever we have failed, we will go and uh, tell God, we failed. And God says, I know. Says, and you know. And God says, you know what? You have failed. But I will not. Mm-hmm. I will not. I will not fail you. Where you have failed, I will take over. You no? Know? So there is a constant surrender involving in parenting. But like I said, no fear, no anxiety, no worry. It short circuits the whole process. We have to believe. We have to believe. Otherwise, what will happen is it will mess up our other areas of work, like this mother, a single mother working, anxious about her two sons. It will affect your workplace. Mm. And you know what? Many people are terrible workers. It's not because they do not know how to work, because their minds are consumed with anxiety Mm. of their home. Mm. I always tell, even till yesterday I was telling, couple of people I was telling them when you go to office detach your home when you come home detach your office that's, mm-hmm. that's how you function when you go to office detach your home you will function well if there's an emergency you will get a call that's a different thing I'm not talking about it. when you come home detach your office mm-hmm. Don't bring that baggage here. Don't take your baggage over there. And that's why workers become sloppy. They make mistakes because they carry this over to here. And that's, Jesus says, we should be able to do it. Jesus says, be anxious for nothing. But with prayer, supplication, make all your requests known unto God. And the peace of God will guard your mind and your heart. And once you have left home that way, you have the peace of God guarding your heart and your mind in your workplace. And you are able to function well. And then when you're leaving office... Cast all the office work into the Lord's hands and the peace of God will guard your mind and heart Hmm. about office in your work and you're able to. So you, we should be able to do it much, much better than the people in the world. And this is which you practice. All this is practice. And the more you practice, you will realize, you know what, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. And you know what? You can handle stress they going to be a stressful, stressful life till Jesus comes. Stress is only going mm-hmm. to increase. And how do you handle increase? How do you handle the stress? Simply by applying what God has said in His scripture. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Pastor, uh, s- some more questions on pride. Uh, okay. uh, so we'll look at that today. It's mm-hmm. uh, question number four. It's question number four. Believers in the ministry or not mm-hmm. toggle between the rope of struggle, humility to subtle, uh, to subtle pride. Self-righteousness, defense, etc. For some in the ministry, the deep hidden pride is so deceptive and prolongs until God intervenes and does something. Knowledge of God, prayer life, word life, revelations, jobs, or anything can break the ceiling to form the pride substance in us. How can we truly examine our hearts
0: to see pride without any denials? See um, the the uh, now. We need to be very careful about it when we talk about. Okay, uh, we need to feel good about our accomplishments. God has no issues about it. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that we should not feel we are better than somebody else. That is when pride comes. Mm-hmm. He's not saying that you do. I mean, you let us say you did your exams well. You got an A or an A plus. No. Humble, don't (laughs) feel good about it. No, it's not. Feel good about it. Enjoy (laughs) it. Enjoy it. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Throw your party. Call your friends. Enjoy it. 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 But don't consider yourself better than them. Mm. Better than them. That is when pride comes in. Mm. Pride comes in is that we start feeling we are better than others and we start comparing ourselves with others. Okay? The opposite of pride is also a sin. Okay. when you are you feel inferior that is also sin when the bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made everyone everyone was made fearfully and wonderfully it is not just certain people so it god is not saying feel good about your accomplishments mm-hmm. okay that uh, in that way if you want to put that term pride there that way it is not a bad thing mm-hmm. When pride becomes one, is that when you want to exalt yourself above. That was the issue with uh, with Lucifer. Lucifer could have looked in the mirror and says, you know what, God made me really beautiful. I'm really good looking. And I go, I'm, I'm really smart. Okay, But when he started thinking, I'm smarter than the others, he wanted to lift himself above. And then finally, he want to put himself on par with God. That's when the problem comes. That is when the problem comes. So we need to be very, very clear about it. Okay, Otherwise, we'll say, okay, my son passed class 10 with distinction. I should not celebrate because, you know, celebrate. Mm. Celebrate. And the next door neighbor's son also gets to rejoice Mm. with him. That is how you need to. How do you understand whether you are proud or not is that when somebody else gets the same or more than you, are you able to rejoice or not? That is the actual signal. Or you are only able to rejoice on your own accomplishments when you are pointed, when you are celebrated, when when somebody else is, do you feel this feeling, sinking feeling or whatever you want to call it inside. <laughs> no? That is the key. That is the key. When you are not able to rejoice when somebody else does, that is the issue. That's how you look at it, Satya. Otherwise, God doesn't have any issues. God doesn't have any issues. No, you are celebrating your success. God doesn't say don't succeed, don't celebrate your success. Okay, He has all. I have no issues with it. you. Should celebrate success. You do well. You should celebrate in sports in any field. Okay, the only thing is that don't consider yourself better than somebody else because of your accomplishments. Because at the end of the day, He's the one who gives you the power to succeed. Mm. What is that you received? What did, what is that you have that you did not receive? Therefore, when every, see, at the end of the day, all are beggars, (laughs) celebrating the charity of God. (laughs) If you look at it that way, you know, then God says fine. I mean the whole of us, all the whole lot of us set up beggars. <laughs> if we are being proud of a begging bowl, okay, I mean that is, that is stupid. On the other hand, we should be able to celebrate somebody else. That's the only thing, okay. Don't get this thing about, about pride and thing it is, okay. And that's where it can become very, very, and the devil is very, very deceptive. Okay, very, very deceptive so that he can come in. And uh, uh, what happens is that, one, if you are not celebrated after a point, you are not able to perform. Mm. Perform. Okay, this is how you are not able to perform. Two, you withdraw. You sulk. Mm. You don't give your best. Because deep inside is, oh, let me see how they will do without me. Mm. These are, see, pride is one thing. You have to read the symptoms. Mm. How do you, you know, how do you? And these are things. These are these are things which we need to you know. Uh, after a point, you start thinking, I am indispensable. Mm? The, the, the company, the church, the ministry, whatever, cannot do without me. Okay. And there are so many factors which will come in. That's where the symptoms of pride is what you have to look at and understand whether you are proud or not. Proud or not. Or you see somebody is being celebrated and you're not able to handle it and you quietly in subtle ways starts cutting that person down. Mm. Cutting that person down. Okay, very subtle way, start cutting that person down. Or... You don't cut that person down. You, you actually very deceptively flatter that person when you don't feel that at all in your heart. You know, so you are so good today, but it's absolutely hollow, Mm. absolutely. Okay, we have to look at all these signs, all these signs. You know what? This is all symptoms of hidden pride, Mm -hmm. (laughs) hidden pride, okay, hidden pride. I remember reading about an old-time incredible musician the old kind he had his symphony and he knew he was bad that day he knew his recital was bad so that day all his competitors started coming and tell him how good he was okay and finally his number one enemy competitor came and said whatever, Mozart or Bach or whatever, you were really, really good today. And he's been home thinking, I didn't realize I was so bad today. Because he was, this guy is complimenting too much. Now, you know that compliment is absolutely false. It's sarcastic. Sarcastic. Know, know. But no, you're putting it at this thing, you were really good, you know what? Because you're rejoicing in the fall of your enemy. Mm-hmm. And it comes from hidden pride. Mm-hmm. Hidden pride. Because deep inside, you, you always thought, I am better than you. I'm better, than you. I'm better than you. You're celebrating and the Bible says about that. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Mm. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And this is this is what God is talking about. No. So for us, if your enemy or your colleague gets promoted, we are okay with it. The Bible says exaltation doesn't come the left or the right, or east or the west. It comes from God. Like ultimately, we will be commended by God in eternity, and that's the only thing that matters. So pride works in so many ways, and we have to constantly ask, you know, and we have a very realistic view of ourselves. Yeah. That's the thing, a very, very realistic view about ourselves, and you know, you, you shouldn't like, uh, we should know who we are. And, we, and we should know who we are not. not. And that's what John the Baptist. He sucks. This is not I am. I am not. I am not. I am not. I am not. I am." Then who are you? I am a voice in the wilderness. But I am a voice in the wilderness. Yep. <laughs> okay. At better, about, better let uh, us listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I have no doubt. I am a voice in the wilderness pointing to him. I am that voice. <laughs> Actually, I am that voice. So, there is no false humility mm. with that. Once you know who you are, you don't have to put on a cloak of false humility. You know exactly this is who you are. You know? Yes. Even if Apostle yes. Paul stamps his authority. authority and he says, <laughs> this is what I am. This is what
1: I am. So, Pastor, uh, another subtle question, of mm. course, subtle thing is offensive. There
0: was the one connected. Uh, oh, yeah, with yeah, that yeah, exactly. Same sorry. question. Sorry, was yes. There, right? So, this, uh, yeah, sorry. Came uh, from Middle East. So, yeah. let me just read that. Mm.
1: What is the difference between Humility before man mm. and humility before God, mm. why is it important to achieve both?
0: Humility before God is like... Humility before God and before man is It's not per se the same. Mm. Okay, Humility before God is like... When we go before God, we always go to God based on mercy and grace. Mm. Okay, We have nothing to go to God other than the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. Outside of Christ, all we have is the wrath of God. Mm. There is nothing that makes us acceptable to God because we are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So when we go to God, we go to God on God's, the actual fact, the actual truth. He's one, the creator, I am the creation. Second, I am the fallen creation whom He redeemed. I didn't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it Mm -hmm. all my life. I was redeemed. He paid the price. That is the simple basics on which we go to God every day. Okay, Now we don't have to flag uh, flog ourselves with that. We go to God boldly, confidently in the righteousness of God. Only in the righteousness of God. Never based on our works or anything. Because that is not acceptable to God. Mm -hmm. Because even the works he does through us, it's his power, it is his will, and we, he does it through us. So there's nothing to go. So that's a different kind of humility which the Bible talks about when we go before God. When it goes to, see, it's all there in uh, mm-hmm. uh, Philippians 2. Okay. Yes, Philippians, in, in your attitude towards others. Yeah, others, and it talks about mm-hmm. before God, okay, this mind you should have. Uh, when you go before God. There. Yeah, it's there. Right. Your attitude should be the same. Yeah, that is, uh, before that. Before... That is connected with God. Okay, that's when you go to God. Got it? Yeah. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. It's a very difficult thing for us. But the fact is that it is not a very difficult thing to look if you actually search, like if you look at Peter. He can, I can point so many things in which is better than me. He can sing better than me. He can <laughs> play the piano better than me. He can play the keyboard better than me. He can play the guitar. There are so many things he is better than me. So, if we actually look at somebody else, you will always see so many things they are better than you. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> no, the problem is that we don't think that. We think the other way. We think of the points we are better than them. Mm. Now, th- 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 Supti is very practical, okay. How do you, how do I, how do I practice? He simply think about in the other areas where they are better than, like when it comes to my wife. In so many areas, much better than me. When it comes to prayer, she's much better than me. When it comes to hearing from God, she's much better than me. When it comes to preaching, I'm not better than her. <laughs> okay? So it is not difficult uh, to think about her better than me, because exactly. in so many areas, uh, She's better than me. Okay. So, we look at all about each other. You will all see that we, I mean, like John Manohar is sitting there. He's just a student. You know what? He's much better in computers than me. I would, I would be an ignorant grade one student before him in computers. (laughs) To copy paste also, I struggle. (laughs) Honestly, to copy paste, I can do on this in the computer that right click and left click. I still struggle today till today, you know. You have to s- see how Siri can operate on my phone better than me. Yeah. <laughs> she is <laughs> eight years old and she's supposed to be special needs, but let me tell you, she's better than me. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing about her. When it comes to correction, she's better than me. She takes correction very well. Oh. She's very well. She takes correction. Mm. We'll tell us, we'll Siri, that's not it. Okay, Grandma. No temper tantrums, no sulking, nothing. You know what? I still sulk if God corrects me. Mm. You know that child in so many ways. I've noticed that so many ways. You no, know, She will take a no from me or Ma very well. Never shows any reaction. You know what? She's better than me. And so many things which I still struggle. So you actually look around. It is not so difficult to see somebody is better than us. Okay? And God says, you know. You know, automatically when you think somebody, you know, that attitude of humility comes. It is not so the problem with the devil was that he thought he was better than everybody else. Mm. Yes. Okay? Better than everybody else. In everything. Okay. Now we don't need false humility. Okay, in certain things I may be better than Peter. I don't have to put a false. No, Peter, you're better than me in everything. That's not true, Peter. That's not true. Okay, Peter, I'm better. Than, I am better than you in many things. Okay, look, I'm I'm sure in cooking also I'm better than you. Okay, okay Peter, okay, better than you. Okay, so there's so many things. We don't need false humility mm-hmm. too, because the devil will try to subtly deceive you through false humility, which is a form of pride. It's a form of pride, okay? False humility. So when it comes before man and before before God, one, you're always better than me. And second, even that is not a definition. <laughs> How do you compare yourself with God? There is no comparison. Okay. So, I will not <laughs> even idiotic. idiotic. I will not even compare. All we can say is Deuteronomy 32, 2. This is our history, okay. You are always right. <laughs> I am always <laughs> wrong.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. You are always perfect. I like, and then our reaction should be like, I shut my mouth, <laughs> seal my lips, <laughs> sit in ashes and abhor myself when I compare myself to you. So our humility with God and the humility with man are, are two different things. And with humility with man, simple thing is that, look at man at the other person and see that there are so many areas. Everyone is better. Even the servant maid who works in your house is better than Mm. you in so many things. Absolutely. Honestly, so many things. My maid, Salome, is better than me in so many things. Mm. So many things. She's better than me in so many things. Okay? So it is not. If you honestly... Do a check and you will realize, you know, that person is better than me in many things. And I'm better than that person in many things. So we are all at equal footing. Mm. And the other thing to keep yourself humble is this. You look at that person. Okay. It may be only a maid or a worker. And like I look at these construction workers. Okay. Boy, they can work. They can work consistently. From morning, They will be seven o'clock. They will start. They will finish by six. Okay, that's like they will put in 10 hours of work. Okay, 10 hours of work. Now take his hard work and take him and see that he was born in my family with educated parents. You know what? He would have probably done much better than us. Mm. Absolutely. Much, much better than us. That is how we have to compare. Mm. If this dude had been born in another family and had the same hard work, he would have excelled in that field too. Mm. Probably done much better than any one of us. Okay, you know what? Then you will realize, you know what? Let us not compare each other. Let us be humble. Thank you, Lord. I am satisfied where I am. But now, Lord, help me to use the best use of my opportunities. That's why humility between before man and humility before God are to do two different things. With God, we are zero. He is everything. Mm -hmm. With others, you can always see people. And you know what? That will keep you humble. So mm. that, that also actually mm. also shows
1: us mm. how well we can work with the other person. It, this, yeah, that Because, makes because so, yeah. only those people who are humble enough, they'll
0: be able to work with each other. Because you are together. able to identify exactly. the other person's mm. strengths. So you can work as a team. team That's how God has made Adam and Eve. They were supposed mm. to complement each other. Mm. When devil came in and injected that pride, they started competing with each other. Mm. And the first words of Eve in the Bible is a word of competi- competition. You mm. look at Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It's not a word of complimenting. It's a word of competition. The first words uttered by Eve, the woman. Mm. Because he came and what did she say? She, she said, with help the help of the Lord, I have, I have brought, brought for the man. Does, she doesn't say we have brought for the man. Mm. There's no we there. It's gone. Mm. Yeah. He'll acknowledge God, but she'll acknowledge her husband. Look, ask the question, can't you bring for the man without a husband? But she does not accept him at all. Or the competition has come in. Has come in. You know, and we need to realize that in a church, as a church, we, to work together. we are working together. together yeah. Okay? Some may be seen in different, some may be not seen at all. And Bob says, some organs of the body are not seen at all. <laughs> but they are more important than the ones that are seen. Mm. God will ask you, you want a lung missing or a hand missing? You will say, a hand right? <laughs> Hand. But you see the hand. You don't see the lung. But now we know. <laughs> we know, right? That's what God will say. You know? So in that same way, you'll realize. That's what happens. Com- compliment, uh, competition has come in with the help of God. I have brought for the man. Okay? I have both for the man. And that's what is okay. K was to K. Mm. Yes.
1: Yes. Pastor, so there's, uh, the, there's one question which is, I think, a uh, very nice uh, continuity to this. On pride, it's on offenses. Okay. And this is question number one. One, okay. Uh, let's read that. Jesus said to his disciples, this is the NIV uh, translation of the, of Luke's gospel, chapter 17, verses 1 to 4. Mm. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Mm. But woe to anyone through whom they come. Mm. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a milestone tied around their neck than Mm. to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Mm. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, Mm. you must forgive them. Question is, how to guard our hearts in dealing with overcoming offenses? And offenses will not consume our whole being of... uh, Tape, tape, replay. tape replay, hurt, reject, rejected, or opening the door for enemy to invade, and at times such stress can lower immunity and cause sicknesses. Sickness, okay. Also, it's challenge. It's a challenging war between the flesh and the spirit. To stay calm, relaxed, or stay put during tough storms and seasons of unknown. To respond in the right manner, rather worrying, uh, worrying or tense,
0: etc. Okay, these these things will change from level to level okay now we say life is like a set of concentric circles the first circle is with you and god the second circle is you your spouse and god the third concentric circle is you your spouse your children and god okay that's how it goes so first thing is that guard your heart from being offended with god that's what jesus says Matthew first thing, yeah, Matthew 11 six. and verse 6. The First thing you have to guard your heart right. is by Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account can of you, me. Can
1: you put NKJV Yeah,
0: NK. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Okay, that's the first thing you have to guard your heart, that you are not offended by God. Offended by God when things go wrong in life. And you will see Job is not offended in one and two. He's not offended. When bad things happen, people get offended with God, why does it have to happen to me? Guard your heart, okay? How do you guard your heart? That's by meditating upon the goodness of God mm. that God is always good, and God is always right. God is fault. something bad has happened to it, something good will come out of it, or it's not God's fault. I must have goofed up somewhere. Or somebody else in the line of chain of command has God. But it cannot be God. Why? Because of who God is. That's how you guard your heart, being offended with God. Second thing is your spouse. And with with your spouse, always I will tell you, with your spouse, the first couple of years of your marriage matter. Mm. Matter. That's why in the law it was given that even if you are in active service of somebody's recently married thinking, let him not fight, let him go. What are these conditions put? Because in the first year or two of your marriage is when your relationship is established. And in that relationship, trust has to be established. Trust has to be established. You see, we talk about love as emotions, but it's not emotions. Love, it's not emotions. Love has many other manifestations. One of the things, like, I look at my, I look at my life. I look at my <laughs> wife. Okay. You know one thing? Where we can come through almost any issue, it's because I trust her with my life. Mm-hmm. Trust her. I'm not saying she's loving all the time. <laughs> I'm not saying that. That is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. We all will have our mood swings. You will wake up cranky. Oh, that's irrelevant. But you know what? You can trust her. You can trust your spouse with your life. What is that? He will... She will not harm me. yes. It will cause harm, yes. cause harm me. Mm. Okay, And that is important. Because if you can establish, that's, that's the same thing with God. You know Lord, I know you cannot trust me. But I know I, I can trust mm. you. I can trust you. That you will never harm me. You will never harm me. Even when you discipline me, it is for my good. Mm. You will not harm me. You know what? Therefore, you do not get offended. Okay, second thing, what happens is once that trust is established in that relationship, what happens is that when issues happen, mm. you don't carry offense. Yeah. You forget. Yeah. You can always talk it out. Mm. And after some time you realize, you know what? You don't have to, you don't have to get offended. This is what she is. Mm. And after some time you laugh at it. You know, no? He's not going to change. He's not going to change. And he's not being offensive. That is what he is. He's not being rude. He loves me. He cares for me. She loves me. She cares for me. You know what? Sometimes, you know, it's like a sore in your, this thing, you know what? You get comfortable with it. Okay. Now, if it suddenly goes, you miss it. (laughs) You'll say, you know what? You don't have to change. I like you. (laughs) I like you the way you are. You don't have to change. It's good. You know what happens. But in the beginning, those things offended you. Beginning, those things offended you. Like Things offended after some time, you know. I mean, that is incredible. I mean, it's humorous, funny, sad. It's a memorial service of a gentleman who died. Gentleman who died. And his wife is speaking at the memorial service. And in the memorial service, she's humorous and she is funny. She said, "None of you will understand it, but you need to realize that. I miss my husband's snoring. I miss his farts.
1: <laughs>
0: it may not, you may find it funny, but you know what? I miss it all because he all that was part of him to me. Part of him. All that was part of it, it was part of our life together." <laughs> Mm. So part of our life to get get married okay. <laughs> okay. And okay. Uh-huh. Okay. The thing is that it could it be it. embarrassing <laughs> it could be embarrassing and offensive to somebody else. Mm. But what does it mean? Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. Mm. You know what I mean They're vulnerable was, to each other they they, there. there was nothing offensive mm. in their relationship. Mm. Okay, you snore, you drool, <laughs> you drool. Okay, you pass gas. Okay. All that is part of that inner center. Let me, let me ask this question. Let me ask this question. Is there anybody here who doesn't drool? Mm-hmm. Anybody who doesn't snore? Mm. Anybody who does not uh, pass gas? Yes. Mm. Hasn't God seen it all? Is He offended with you? He's not. Mm. Mm. Nothing about us offends God. Mm. Let me let us put it across. Okay, now here it's only Pastor Vijay and me. Okay, you and okay, Glad our babies mm. when our babies were born, they did all this. Mm. We laughed when our children passed gas. We enjoyed it. <laughs> A boy said, "What <laughs> <reason?"> <laughs> Did you <laughs> Either you burp or you fart please <laughs> <laughs> It didn't offend us it didn't offend us. Did it didn't offend us We are talking about Offense the things that cause us offence But as we started Growing we started teaching The manners mm touch the madness. But even when they grew up, if it was family alone without guests, if they did anything, he didn't bother us. What do we say? You still haven't changed, right? That's all we say. Okay, so we need to realize, you know what? Just be true. <laughs> Just be true. okay? And that's what the Bible is talking about. So the thing is that God is saying, you know, don't get offended by the word. Hmm. God will tell do some will speak some hard hard (coughs) harsh truths don't get offended receive it Mm. okay he only cuts to heal Mm. okay he will say the first and the second day he will that's what first he will cut you then he will bind you okay don't get offended because if you get offended what will happen (laughs) you will never change You will never change. You can never be disciplined. So we have to guard our hearts. And also when others say, and also we need to realize connected with pride, people who are easily offended are proud. Mm. And proud people cannot be corrected. And proud people cannot be disciplined. So you know what God does. He doesn't discipline you first at all. He humbles you. Mm. Before he humbles you, he cannot discipline you. So God is not disciplining Moses at all he's humbling him for 40 years he humbles him after he's humbled the next 40 years is disciplining him mm. teaching him his ways mm. he never taught him his ways for the first 40 years in the desert because he cannot be taught he's proud he's got the wisdom of Egypt and the attitude of Egypt so he cannot be taught so what does he do 40 years he humbles him next 40 years he teaches him so we need to understand why offense is dangerous because it is a symptom Of pride. So if you are offended, you are proud. And if you are proud, God cannot teach you. What will he do? He will humble you. And if you cannot hum you cannot be humble like Saul, he will reject you. He'll leave you alone. He will leave you alone. So these are all symptoms, these are all part of it. But in the whole this thing about it, focus your mind on the goodness of God. God is good (coughs) all the time. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had some family I mean, okay, questions. I, mean, okay. I think there's, there's one. Is it more. raining outside? Yeah, it's raining. It's raining. Okay,
1: person. okay. Fine. Um, hmm. There's another family question, person. Hmm. Uh, it's I think uh, it's question number seven. Would you want to take that? Yeah,
0: yeah, will seven eight all seven, family seven, questions, seven. seven?
1: Question number seven.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a huge question.
1: <coughs> okay. A person is divorced. This is a scenario. It's being hmm. explained. Hmm. A person is divorced and was also responsible for the marriage breakdown hmm. because it. Takes two hands to clap and is now repenting of the mistakes done in the past. Though in the past, uh, he thought that the other person was the only responsible, for, was the only person responsible for the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Now born again and is now striving to change in the areas which led to this messed up state of life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The, therefore, there are two questions. Will God allow a second chance to marry if nothing can be done about the past because mistake was ours too.
0: Okay. Now let us come to this. It is a huge, huge issue. Okay. Let's get to this fundamental principle about marriage issues. Okay. Go to the primary chapter. is First Corinthians seven. seven. So mm-hmm. when there are issues in the marriage, the issues in the marriage. <coughs> okay. Chapter seven, verse ten. Okay. There will be conflicts in the marriage. It can be anything. Lord, all kinds of conflicts can. Um, now to the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. What is he talking about? There's a, there's a marriage conflict. Okay? Marriage conflict. So, don't leave. Don't leave. On the other hand, verse 11. If she does, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife. This is the first case scenario. He says, there is an issue and you cannot handle together. Now, you want to separate for a season. If there is violence and all kind of things, separate for a season. Separate for a season. And try reconciliation, mediation, reconciliation, all these kind of things. Reconciliation. That's the first picture we have to look at. So, we always, when there is this thing and they, know I cannot handle it. then you say, okay, it's getting too bad. It's messing, especially if there are children, or even if it's getting violent. You know what? Both of you take time off. Mm-hmm. Time off. If you cannot handle it, take time off and go through the counseling. We send people, Lord. PTP or whatever mm. no? listen to another voice you are tired of hearing our voices okay? go to another voice and you will hear the same counsel but because it's coming from another voice unfamiliar voice and the same counsel the word of God maybe you will listen to it listen to it try to practice you go through even in the legal court system especially in India you go file for this thing they don't give you they send you for counseling mm. they send you for counseling that's the first thing you do so that's the first scenario Okay, first scenario, and stay that way, stay that way, okay? Then, <coughs> coming further down, on the other hand, it does not work, okay? Work, okay, then, uh, if you come there, hmm? what's 15? One, five. One five. But if the unbeliever departs, Let him depart. That's a brother or a sister. Okay. But there is one person in that party who says, no reconciliation. I want out. I want out. I'm moving out. I'm moving ahead with my life. He or she. It can be either. That's why a brother or a sister. Okay. The other person says, I don't want reconciliation. I'm not waiting. I'm going ahead and I'm filing for divorce with or without your consent I am going and if you don't come I will have it X part you have to look at real scenario okay how you look at and then the Bible says a brother or a sister is is not not under bondage in such cases the other person was waiting he he or she was willing for reconciliation on what terms God's terms not your term or my term always when there is a conflict they can be only uh, reconciliation can be only on mutually agreed terms The mutually agreed terms cannot be the world terms. It has to be the word terms. Because we are talking only in a Christian context. But if one party says, I don't agree to any of those things. And one party is waiting. And the other party says, I don't agree, I am leaving. Fine, going, okay. Then the Bible says, the other person is not under bondage. Meaning, he or she is free to remarry. But... You look at the baggage. You also repent. Like the person says, it takes two hands to clap. Who do you repent? Repent before God. Lord, I repent of all the mistakes I made in this. Okay. You know what happened? You come out of it without guilt. Mm. Without guilt. Okay. You have to come out of it without guilt. You have to come out of it without baggage so that if God... Brings another person into your life. You are able to enter it without bringing your baggage and guilt and with the lessons you have learned. So it could work out better a second time. Could work out better a second time. This is the principle about the word of, in the, in the Bible. Okay, principle in the Bible. And this is, you have to, in this particular case where the person is talking about, okay, this is how it works.
1: No? Again, the second part, yeah. second question says, yeah. after having learned the hard way, now the person wants only God's perfect will to be done in their lives. But will God allow his perfect will now, now if he have messed up in the past? If yes, how to
0: become the Rebecca for Isaac or vice versa? <laughs> no, God's perfect will can still come. No, God's... Uh, see, the perfect will, there is only one condition for perfect will. Offer your body as the living sacrifice and renew your mind. Then only you will even know what mm. is a good, pleasing and perfect will of God. That's a consistent process. Okay, and it will happen. You can still have. It does not mean you have lost out your... See, the perfect will of God... <coughs> It's not primarily connected with your marriage. It's primarily connected with your purpose. Mm. Okay. God can see that you fulfill His perfect will in His life without, without getting married. Yes. Yes, yes. With or without the right spouse. The right spouse helps. But even without the right spouse, Moses was successful. Mm-hmm his home was not a success david fulfilled god's purpose in his life but his home was a mess samuel as a great man of god his home was a mess okay so there is this purpose of god okay see these two things we need to understand when it comes to marriage like we say in this thing it takes two to tango mm-hmm. so you can be only responsible for your part of it to be guiltless and to do the best you can. You doing the best does not mean your spouse, whether it's a man or a woman, will give the best. Honestly, look at the first two chapters of Job. Can you get a better husband than Job? No. God himself. Did he get a good wife? Did it change her? Did it change her? Did it make her a kind, loving, sacrificial wife? No, no, it didn't. Does that mean it was Job's fault? No, you look at Job, he's, God commends him. You know what this guy? This is a really good guy. He's a man who fears God, upright, blameless, shuns evil. He's prosperous. I mean, what more can a woman ask? ask for, yes. Ask for. Did it change her? No. But did Job fulfill God's purpose? Yes, yes. He did. So we need to look at when you're talking about marriage is one thing, purpose. Marriage is part of the purpose, but even if your home fails, you got a partner, you got a spouse who is not so gung-ho about God that does not mean you should not fulfill your purpose in mm. that case Moses could not have fulfilled God's purpose yes. um, Samuel. Samuel could not David. have fulfilled mm. David could not have fulfilled they all fulfill God's purpose mm. though if you look into all of their homes their homes there are other people you will see their homes are fantastic yeah. but they never fulfill God's exactly. purpose exactly so
1: that's a question that I had also ideally so exactly. it should be both so, so then there mm. could be a situation wherein uh, the person who's who's studying or mm. I mean who's doing the ministry mm. He could be fantastic in the ministry. He could be bringing a lot of people into the kingdom. Mm. But his house could be a total mess. Mm. On the other hand, he may not be doing some, so great in, the, in terms of his ministry. Mm. But his house is perfect in time.
0: There is a difference here in the Old and the New Covenant differences is, is that in the New Covenant, you don't have to make these mistakes if you come to know God early. Hmm. Like John Manohar is sitting over here, Peter is sitting over here, Sammy is sitting all four bachelors are sitting over here. You you don't have to make these mistakes. Because in the new covenant, we are promised personal guidance from God. Mm. In the old covenant, that wasn't there. It's random. Okay, it's don't only don't marry outside your clan, meaning outside Israel. That's all that is said. New covenant is a completely different thing. Though therefore the standards are kept over, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, meaning be equally yoked with believers. That's a personal person that is given to us, the Holy Spirit. So all these things are there. So in the new covenant, the chances of able to succeed in both are much, much more higher than in the old covenant. Old covenant. But, uh, what happens in the new covenant, the churches also, people fall in love and get married. Hmm. That is Jacob. Yeah. Hmm. They fall in love. When emotions come in, the problem with the emotions is in the emotions, your eyelashes are like brushes. It whitewashes the other
1: person. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: whitewashes the other person. So you don't see anything. Wrong with the other person when you are quoting, and you only see wrong things after you are married, okay okay, but if you allow God to lead you and allow God to make those choices, you know what, and uh, God will bring a spouse who compliments you okay compliments you, and there you are able to balance it both where your home is also successful. I'm not saying home. I'm saying marriage is successful. Because after marriage comes the children. Again, that is a twice different, different, exactly. different. Again, okay. Yeah. So it is different, different riders over there. But what I'm saying is that you could still be a, you could be still in God's eyes, a successful father, even if your children don't turn around, right? Mm. You could be still a successful husband or a wife in God's eyes, even if your marriage did not turn around, right? Because you are only responsible for your part. Absolutely, yeah your part. You are not responsible Mm. for the other person's part because you have no control over it. There is a completely different person with a will of his or her own. Mm. So you can be successful both as a husband or as a father, even if the other one did not turn around well. Okay, Mm. And that's how God looks at it. But you can still protect if you make your right choices with the kind of Knowledge of the Word of God we have been given, and the Spirit that is given, we still can make decisions which, you know re- with a renewed mind, which does not conform to the pattern of the world. You know, so to that person that's talking it's, about it's, yes, the, it's still possible. So
1: seventh, mm-hmm. so seventh question has another uh, uh, also part. Mm-hmm. Having said that, this is what I want can i have some areas in which i'm still not able to surrender mm-hmm. like the guy should be at least a bit taller than me mm-hmm. or come to the church where i'm uh, where i'm going because i feel i like got a place where solid doctrine is preached okay
0: <coughs> this height and all is um, it's irrelevant okay i mean those are simple uh, flesh things height and looks and all that need to be pleasant looking. Even if you're not pleasant looking, it does not matter. Ultimately, the outside do not matter. Is that how many millimeters is the skin? Yeah, that's all it is. These things don't matter. Okay, it does not. Those things are. Okay, I mean, mean, if if you you surrender that, if you can, I mean, I understand (laughs) a girl's heart saying Mm -hmm. that you know, I want a husband who's taller than me. Mm -hmm. God will honor that. He will give your husband that honor. But if you surrender that on the, you when you go to God, you say that I surrender it on the altar, Lord. See, this is my. In my mind, but if you, if the guy you have picked for me is shorter than me, I'm okay with it. If it's that's your will, this is my desire. But I put my desire uh, in okay. your. I am delighting in your will for me. Delight in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. You know what? I'm going to delight in your will. If you pick me for me a man who is two inches shorter than me, I will delight in it because it's your man. And God will give you a man who will be taller than you. Usually, I've seen that's the way God works. Okay, second thing about there is that about going to church, this is where you need to be very, very very, very careful, okay now, God gives you a man who's a godly man, but he goes to another church, which is also good, also good. If you notice in our church, many of you are new, so you do not notice when we began, there were a lot of sisters who came to the church without their husbands, because the husbands were not believers. Okay? were not believers. But they got saved in our church. I mean, the women got saved. I baptized them. And after a few years, what happens? The husbands got saved. But they didn't get saved in our church. They got saved somewhere else. The husbands started going to that church. Do you know what I told each of the sisters? You need to go with your husband. Yes. You need to go with your husband. The minute a woman decides I'm going to go to another church and my husband is she's already sown the the seed to divide our house. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that. And as pastors, I will never and have never engaged a single sister to do that. I said you need to go. You need to go go with your husband. You need to go with your husband and the children. The mother and the children or the mother, different ones, and the children were coming to our church. Then the husband got saved. And he started going to other church. I said, you need to go with your husband. A family cannot be divided. Cannot be divided. And when a wife does it, she's already sown the seed for dividing the house. It was Abraham was called, not Sarah. And Sarah followed him wherever he went. Mm. That principle never, ever changes. And Women have to be very, very careful about it. Lord, I love my church, but I delight in you. If the man you are going to give me is two inches shorter and goes to another church and you tell me very clearly this is the man I am going to marry, I will leave and I will go with him. I will not pressurize him to come and be with me. You cannot happen god never changes his order in the old covenant or in the new covenant angel gabriel comes to mary and says blessed of among you are and you are going to bear the son of god she says i don't know you know the whole story okay so i will let it be unto me according to your word you know after that god never speaks to mary all the speaking is to to joseph Joseph alone Mm. nothing to mary after that Mm. every direction is given to joseph yes nothing to mary but in this, Mary has to be called because she has to fulfill prophecy. A virgin shall give birth. So Joseph is not part of this at all. So to Mary, that is given. But after that it is given, Joseph is told, the child is of me. And all the direction instruction. you read, instruction is to Joseph. Yeah. So whenever a woman makes a decision, you know, Lord, I want to marry a man from my church. If it is there, it is good. God will honor you. But if it is not there and God actually gives you a man who is actually saved and believing, going to another church, and that's a man you marry, you go with him. Mm -hmm. Go with him. You go with him. And usually God has been very good in our church. He has always tried to find, you know, find the... uh, boys know, the or girls who married came. I Even mean, if you look at Kirti and Albert, Kirti and uh, Albert come to our church. Kirti came this side. Okay, It didn't, didn't go that side. Okay, And those are the things which you have to be very, very careful about. Honestly, I'm telling you, it's very, very, very careful about it. So, Because the woman leaving her church is like the woman leaving her home. Mm. That's it. She's yeah. gone. Yeah. She's gone. Mm. She left her home. Yep. Mm-hmm. She left her home. Okay. She left her home. Rebecca left her home. She did not she didn't say and Abraham was very clear about it. Isaac will not leave. Mm. Rebecca comes to Isaac's home. That's the way. And Rebecca has to leave her church too. And go to Abraham to Isaac's church. That's the way it is. So make all these requests before God and say, Lord. I love my church, I'm very comfortable over here. But it's not the only GTC is not the only mm. church. Yeah, mm. oh, this there are hundreds of good mm. churches yeah. around the world, better churches than all that. And I surrender my will to you. I will go by what your word directs. And yeah. I will not. You know, otherwise you will know what will happen is that you have divided your house already. And God does not allow division there. You are one, you are not two. The wife cannot pull uh, pull uh, um, the husband to that place. Then it becomes the, the demonic spirit has entered into the godly house. The Jezebel spirit is operating mm-hmm. because it is not Ahab. Ahab is a title. It's Jezebel who's running the house. And over a godly thing, over a church thing, that's what I said, you have how subtle the enemy is. How does he enter into homes? Because over spiritual things. If you're a Christian family, over spiritual things, he will ask the woman to take the leadership. And the man is quiet. And he doesn't. And you know what? He has become Ahab. The disciple spirit has taken over. She may be praying, she may be fasting, she may be doing all these things, but you know what? God is not there. God is mm-hmm. not there. All kind of things may be happening where God says, you have broken my foundational principle. That is not the way it is. So before you get married, all these things, and if you are married, repent. Repent before God. Before, repent before God, because God will not allow that. In the long run, what will happen? Your home will fall apart. Your home will fall apart. No? Yes, Pastor
1: Vijay. Oh, sorry, I think question number 8 also, uh, at question a kind of a follow-up question, it says should a woman go out to work after marriage?
0: Okay. First thing is that a woman should work, okay? <laughs> okay? Let us go to the beginning. As Jesus always said, let's go to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. And verse 15. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Okay, shall we go to NIV? Sometimes NIV is much more clearer to the modern people. To work. Okay, so work started. God is a worker. God put man to work there. Okay, understand. God put man to work over there. And verse 18. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the first question we need to ask is if you put 16 and 18 together, what is God creating Eve? To work along with him. (coughs) To work along with with him. him. They should work together. They should complement each other. They are both working together. Uh, Genesis one will say the fivefold blessing over that, but they're going to work together. So man is a worker, the woman is a worker. Each one is complementing each other. Adam is help, um, Eve is helping Adam, and Adam is helping Eve. It's not that Adam is working and Eve is helping. No, they're both helping each other, right? Pastor Vijay helps me, yeah. and I help Pastor. Like if I preach tomorrow, I'm helping him. If he preaches tomorrow, he's helping me. Mm. It's as simple as that. We are together in the ministry, right? Every time he uh, ministers, he's helping me because he takes the load off me. And every time I minister, I'm helping him because he's taking the Lord. So please don't ever think that uh, Adam is the one who's working and she's only a helper. No, they're working together. They're working together. So now when it comes to that, we need to realize the whole Old Testament, this thing and uh, We have to look at, like I said, principles. The world has changed. Hmm. It is no longer like the old days where primarily occupation was farming, agriculture, farming, that was primarily, or men went to war. (laughs) Farming and war was basically to this thing. Okay, (laughs) So that is not this thing now. Life has changed. So when the question is asked, whether the woman should go, go out to work is completely a spiritual decision where the man and the woman takes. That's what I said. Incredible trust and understanding has to be there. Has to be built. Mm. Trust and understanding has to be built. Okay, built. You have to look. Let us, let us, let us use an example. Uh, they are married. It's a godly marriage, everything. But the woman is much more qualified. Much more qualified. Okay? And the husband isn't qualified like that. So, they agree, you know what? You go to work. It has to be among them. Or else they decide, you know what? You work and I'm satisfied with what you bring. Cautiness with contentment is a great thing, but everything has to be in agreement between the two. Mm. And the thing is that, The woman goes to work. In some cases, woman goes to work. The man also goes. Both go to work. That is good as long as the children are in there. Once the children comes in, priorities has to change. Priorities has to change. Okay, priorities has to change. Now, the other side of the story is that, let us look at a scenario. If a woman is going to work, the man is looking for a job. He does not have a job. Okay, that does not mean he's jobless. The woman is going to work. The man is the woman's helper, like the woman is the man's helper. Why is she going to work to help the man? So, what does the man do? Help, he the, ha- woman. help the woman. Mm. Simple. Mm. He has simple. He has to mm. help the woman. Mm. Meaning, he has to take care of the home. Mm. Both are working, and you can afford it. You need to get a maid, mm. and you may have to pay through your nose. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You have to pay. Okay? Because you have to be very, very careful. Don't look at the Old Testament. Understand the principle. You can't say, my wife is going to work and when she comes, she will do everything. No, it's not possible. She has only two hands. She's not a Hindu goddess. Okay? She has only two hands. Okay? Okay? She has only two hands. You have to be very, very practical about it. There is sacrifice. There is investment over there. What are you going to invest in? You're going to invest in a very good person. A very good mate so that the load can be taken Absolutely. off of your wife. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot afford it because you're only one person working and the person happens to be the wife, you know what? You will say, I'm still the head of the, of the home. But you know what? I will help. But you are not able to do because you are out. I will do it all. It's not a big thing. And that's why if you look at modern men, most of you people sitting over here, men can cook. Yeah. You can cook. And men should cook. If you want your wife to work in an office, you should cook. Should wash. And there's nothing demeaning about any of these I mean, things. You cannot sit there and say, I will do nothing. You be better cook everything for me in the morning and go and come back in the evening. I mean, I, you got your principle from somewhere outside the Bible. Mm-hmm. You got your principle somewhere outside the Bible. I will not change the nappies. I will not this thing. You know, you, no. it's simply outside the Bible. That is not how it, the kingdom of God works. That's what I said. First thing you need to have trust. Absolute trust. And, uh, there is love. There is no. I don't want to use the word love. No, I don't want to use the word love. I want to use the definition of the word love in First Corinthians. You have to read that to understand what love is, because love is the word that is used in the world and in the kingdom, and they are not absolutely polar opposites. Okay? Love is patient. Love is kind. I like that word. Love is kind, you know. Love is always kind, and the the, a marriage is filled with acts of kindness, Mm. filled with acts of kindness, and marriage is oiled and kept together with acts of kindness, Mm. and that's how we are. God is kind to us every day. You will say, "No, she doesn't deserve it." Nobody, we don't deserve anything from from God, God. anything from God, full of kindness. Okay, and it does not envy. Okay, it does not envy. If your wife is doing much, much better than you, there should never be jealousy in a marriage. Excuse me. Never be jealousy in your marriage. Okay, never be jealousy. And you know, marriages are destroyed by jealousy. Hmm. Destroyed by jealousy. Now think about it. Let me put this example, okay? Okay, let me say, I play badminton. Play Batman Raj plays Batman, let me ask this question, Raj, does your left hand play better than your right hand? No, it's your right hand, right? we are both we are not lefties. <laughs> is, is your left hand jealous of your right hand? So husband and wife are one. If she succeeds, it's my glory. Hmm. If she excels, it is my glory. it's my glory okay so there's there's no room for envy over there. There's no room for envy over there. No, we are, we are looking in terms of a marriage. Okay. So the question, the simple, the question is whether should a woman go out to work? I would say it differs from family to family. If you don't need it and you got the money, the husband brings in enough and you are both content, the woman does not have to go. You know what? Let her build build the home. And on the other hand, if you do not have that kind of money, then I would say, you know what? Both of you work. Save money. Hmm. Save money. Delay the babies. Save money. Once the babies come, let the wife quit. Let the wife quit. You know what? More than all the money you can bring, more important is the children. Children. And through it all, you can do different kinds of jobs. (laughs) Uh, Raj's wife, Apu, does a good job without going out to work, right? She has all her little... Determine. If you ask God, He will show you different ways you can... W- what are you going out to work? Not for your career satisfaction. Let's be very practical. It's to make money. Money, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Today, if you sit at home also, you can make your money and God can give you ideas. Okay, So, you don't have to necessarily go out to work if your husband is working. So, this is a purely spiritual decision where the husband and the wife have to sit together with understanding and decide and decide mm-hmm. like i said the key thing is this the home has to be a very very happy place where there is a lot of joy a lot of containment and no rift mm. okay because the danger of these things is that unlike the old days when men and men went to work, he was not tempted because the workforce was men. Workforce was men. There was no temptation, there were no females working over there. But the world has changed. So there are women coming from unhappy homes, men coming from unhappy homes. It's a tinder box. It's a tinder box where the enemy is trying to set you up. Set you up. Okay. That is where when a man goes to work and a woman goes to work, the home should be very, very content, godly, where you spent a lot of time in kindness, complimenting, appreciating each other. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what will happen? The enemy will set you traps. What will happen? There will be other women. The enemy sets you up. Who compliments the man who doesn't get anything in his house? Or she gets in the office what she doesn't receive at home and it becomes a dangerous workplace. That is how office affairs starts. Now that does not mean therefore we throw the baby out of the bathwater. No, that's not what we do. That does not mean men should not go to work only in where only men are there or women should go. If you find a place like that, that's good. But that is not the way it is. The way it is that the thing, the the... Mm. Oh, love not the world or the things in the world but the world is right there and the things are right. every window is full of things how do you overcome it? you overcome it by wow, loving God with all your heart with all your mind with all your strength that's how you overcome it this has to be replaced with this once this is replaced with this then it, this loses its power. It's, 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 uh, appeal. It loses its charm. It loses its appeal. You know what? People fall away in office places when a woman goes to work. Okay. And a man goes to work with a woman. They fall away. It's because home has lost its appeal. Home has lost its appeal. And that is where we have to be. We were like, you know, I will never change my theology. First is God. And second is home. And third is church. Church is not second. Church is only third. Church is never second. Mm -hmm. Church will never replace the home. It's only, where does the church become home? For people who come from unbelieving homes. For them the church becomes home. home. Because they don't, they don't have the kingdom of God in there. But all who comes from godly homes, Christian homes, Your home is, his home is is. always, you are able to go to church with your home. Never, ever change it. Never, ever change it. These are the protections which God puts over there. And we have to go back to the foundations and always replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. And says, you know what, this is what I am. Because this is what you say you are. Because God is a family man. So whether a woman should go to work, it's between the spouses. They need to sit together and, and you have to pray every day. Mm-hmm. If like, especially a woman is going to work, she has to guard her heart. Lord guard my heart. That because I go to work and I do well and I excel, I make money and I'm the head of my department. When I come back home, it changes. I am still the helpmate mm-hmm. and he is the head. He is the head. He's the head. And I will tell you, women, one of the I mean, I'm talking in a, I'm talking in a, in a setup where it's an ideal setup where the man is godly. I always feel that much of the problems are created by men. Men. I'm talking about now. Let us be honest. We are only men sitting over here. So we can be honest. Man has been, not the women, man has been messed up with porn, Mm. Yes, when mind has been messed up with porn. The problem with porn is that it objectifies woman. Mm -hmm. It devalues woman. So the young people who are getting married are coming with a devalued picture of the woman. So unless God heals you, delivers you, and sanctifies you, you are not able to look at a woman properly and value them as a person. Okay. And second, the woman has come with centuries of abuse. Mm. And abuse is from males. Mm. It's patriarchy. That's why they hate patriarchy. Patriarchy was never supposed to be that. Patriarchy was supposed to put a ring of protection and honor around women. Okay. So we cannot blame patriarchy. We have to blame the abuses of patriarchy. So it is, this is a man whose mind is messed up getting married with a woman who is abused. So a lot of people need deliverance before they should get married. Mm-hmm. So they have appropriate right picture in their minds and their hearts. Okay. And then we, uh, men are MCPs. Okay. Okay. You know what an MCP is, right? It's not this thing. One. It's a male chauvinistic. chauvinistic. Mm-hmm. Okay? Men are very chauvinistic. No? And uh, we needed to get that picture out. Okay, we need to get that picture out. Okay, we should be absolutely male without being a pig, mm. without being chauvinistic. Okay, absolutely male. We are male and they are female. So we understand that they are weaker than us, but therefore we treat them with honor. Mm. We do not treat them with dishonor we don't look down upon them we don't look down upon these are all issues in the marriage I'm not saying that uh, you become perfect and get married all you need to know is the fundamental principles of what we are in Christ and apply it and uh, forgive one another daily and grow in it but guard your heart Guard your heart. And the woman also, the woman today, because it's women's lib and people are going out and they're working and they're succeeding in their career. You see, one of the fundamental reasons marriages break down today, unlike any time in human history, marriages is that. Uh, old days it was like this. The woman was under the protection of her father. And brothers, father and brothers. Dina, you remember, it was not the father, it's the brothers who took the law in their hands. Protection. And then from there, she was handed over to the protection of her husband. She's always protected because the world was evil Mm. and wicked. And there was so much abuse. So the woman had to be protected. So her father's house to the husband's house. And therefore, her mind was different. It was strained. That way. That's how she grew. Today, everything changed. The woman is educated. The girl child is educated. And sometimes they are much better educated than the men. And they do excellent. And then they go out to work. And so first, when they went to study, to school, they experienced a level of freedom, which was not available to women for centuries. Mm. Then from there, they went to higher education, moved away from home to hostels and all. They experienced freedom, liberty. Liberty in itself is not a bad thing. Mm. Then they went to work. When they went to work, woman for the first time experienced independence from man. Started earning her own money. Now, in a home, that can be a very dangerous thing. Why? Because woman was made out of man. Man was not made for woman. Woman was made for man. But when financial independence comes, it's a very, very dangerous thing. If you're a believing child of God and married, you need to guard your heart. The way you guard your heart is that as soon as you get your salary, come and give it to your husband. He says, I give it to you. Finances matter. And if you're a godly man, you will say, you keep it. Or we will work out our expenses and we will save the others. Finances, what are you doing it? Every time you get your salary and give it your husband, you are telling that, no, I'm not independent of you. Mm. I'm not independent. Finances is power. Money is power. What is power? Power to be independent. Why did the younger one just walk out of the house? He didn't. He said, I want my property. Yes. Because there's no point in going out to experience Mm. your liberty without the power to experience Mm. this. Money gives you power. And money can be a very, very dangerous thing. Man never had issues with it because that was always the way for centuries. It Mm. was man went to work and he made the money okay but now a woman so women have to be very very careful about it do you know what I go to work I do well I make my this thing. but you know what I will never forget who I am in Christ mm-hmm. in the Bible I am not saying I am not saying that is not in the Bible Timothy right First Timothy chapter 2
1: yeah chapter 2 the last three verses mm-hmm. okay
0: Chapter 2 and verse 11. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. Okay, now let's look at the principles. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. Okay, Adam was. So if you go to verse 11 and 12, if you look at verse 12, what does it say? Okay, what does money give you? gives you authority. authority yes gives you authority it gives you authority and the financial freedom which the woman has that's why it's a very difficult and i mean it's a very difficult thing for a woman to make a lot of money when a husband is not making it and be submissive I and mean, if she can be she's a great woman. In the book in Proverbs 31, she makes a lot of money. money yeah. <laughs> she makes a lot. The, the fellow, her husband looks like a loafer who's sitting at the gates all the time talking to the elders. Maybe he was a magistrate. But she seems the one who's making. He's, he's got a salary probably. She's making all the money. She's doing the business. <laughs> she's doing the business. She's <laughs> making a lot of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's handling all the resources. Even the Shunammite woman yeah, also. Yeah, the Shunammite also. woman also. No, so if you look over there, but she's a submissive woman. She does not take that authority and Abuse it, she takes authority and uses that to bless her home. And we need to look at these fundamental principles. Otherwise, what will happen is that it will mess you up. Mm-hmm. And that is why divorces are so rampant in today. The primary issue is not because you had an affair or not. That is not the issue where marriages are breaking. It's a marriage of independence. Well, marriage cannot be independent because it's a relationship of dependence. It cannot be of independence. And But where does the issue comes from it? It has become what was meant to be a complementary relationship has become competition. And pride comes in. Envy comes in. Uh, submission does not come in. Loving does not. Kindness goes out of it. And all kinds of insecurity comes out when the man becomes insecure in that relationship. Why? Because he's not bringing in the money. She's making more. All kind of things. That's why the God said in the first two years, the marriage really makes a difference. If you don't become one by then, you will always have trouble up, down the line. And after that, because of other necessities, they, you know, it's like two bogeys in the train going ta-dang, ta-dang, ta They go on like that. That's all. They're not going together. <laughs> <laughs> really. Honestly, most families, if you look around, most families are sticking together only for other reasons. Mm. Other reasons, okay. I mean, it's like where can I go? (laughs) There's nowhere to go. I'll hang on with you. It's more like that, (laughs) but that's not the way. I'll tag along. uh, I will tag along. (laughs) She says I will also tag along. That is not the way it was meant to be. Never meant to be. Like we will always say, uh, marriage is supposed to be like wine. Mm. The older it gets, okay, the better. And The more valuable it becomes. Yesterday, I think it was one hundred and thirty-seven, uh, one hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars. The oldest wine in record was sold. One bottle was sold for one hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars. <laughs> I think one thirty-seven, one thirty-four 130 something. I may have what are my figures wrong, but the what? oldest wine available was sold for one hundred and thirty-seven. It may not be great wine, but it's very old wine, so it's very valuable. But that's what marriages should be. Marriages should be. The older it gets, it gets more better. It should get more valuable. Very valuable. Now let me ask you this question as we have closing. Yeah, as enough. we close. Was Abraham's marriage more valuable in the beginning or at the end? the end? Where we do we learn from Abraham and Sarah how to be married at the beginning or at the end? At the end. At the end. At the end. It becomes more valuable for all of eternity mm. towards the end. She calls him Lord. She calls him. She understands. Yes. And you know what? He absolutely loves her. Loves her. It's not valuable in the beginning. It becomes really, really valuable towards the end because yeah. they have learned through it all how they have really become one. They have really become one towards the end. Okay? But like I said, all their experiences are there. You know. So we look at them and says, you know what? We don't have to waste time trying out a lot of things there we have a wealth of experience in the bible you know what i will just take god's word on trust and we will start putting it into practice you know what and god can restore marriages god has to restore Hmm. marriages but ultimately the decision is between the husband and the wife and they have to but as far as possible let the man work let the man work and be content. And if the woman is working, work hard, save money. Mm-hmm. And when the children start coming, tighten the belt. Yeah. No, tighten the belt. You can, I mean, if you cut out things in your life, you can live life very content, very happily. Mm-hmm. Very, you actually even eat well. <laughs> in India, you can eat well. It's not so expensive. It's not so expensive. Okay. You just decide very straight away. This is the boundaries I'm setting, they are going to live a very simple but very happy life. And uh, you can. The more you get into the world, the more unhappy the home becomes. The more unhappy the home becomes. Before I close, let me give you one illustration. It's an old, old, old story. Many, 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 many donkeys years ago. It's supposed to have happened in a small little countryside, rural side town in Texas. There were you know how they are, very far spread out homes, estates. I mean, it's all the simple poor people, not very rich people or anything. And then this mining company came <laughs> and they would started digging. When they started drilling, they found oil in all those areas. You know what? Overnight, every family became millionaires. Overnight. Let's, I don't remember, let's put there were 11 families. 10 families became millionaires overnight, except one family. In their land, there was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody. 10 families overnight became millionaires. One family just remained the same. 30 or 40 years ago, somebody went and did a survey. 10 families who became millionaires, all their marriages broke. The one which did not strike any gold, they remained together. Their home was stable, and all were Christians. So you need to ask yourself, what do you want? If you are given a choice, do you want to be one of these ten, or do you want to be the eleventh, is the question. It's an incredible story, incredible real story. What that's only because finally they also sold their land where there was no point in it. They moved over there. The man found another job, but his home remained this thing. They still remain godly. They never divorced. The children also grew up in the choice. They never became middle or something. But all the others, their families fell apart. Their children fell apart. Everything, you know what? That is what wealth brought in. Hmm. And so we have to look at all these pictures and ultimately we have to have a value system that is based on God's word. God first. Godliness with contentment. Yeah, God <laughs> first. Home next. Home next. And then church a close third. Close third. Very close. God, my home, my church. And everything revolves around that. Revolves around that. And you make your decisions based on that. Amen. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay. We shall pray. Yes, Pastor Yes, pray,
1: Father. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for all the questions, Lord, that Lord that we had and the answers that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I pray that every answer that we have received, O Lord, um, even if we didn't have that question, O Lord, Father, it has ministered to us, O Lord, and we thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts, Father, reorienting our value systems, O Lord, Father, just teaching us to realign ourselves not with the way that we think or that we think that is right, but to realign ourselves with what you say in your word that is which is close to your heart. And I pray, Lord, each and every one of us will take all these answers, the questions, the lessons that we have learned even through these sessions, oh Lord, to our heart. Take them seriously, not take them casually. Let it not become another exercise, but Lord, we'll truly, truly apply it into our lives. And Lord, I pray, Lord, it will bear fruit in, even in our lives, even a hundredfold, oh Lord. We thank you, Father, once again, Lord, even as we, uh, Father, depart from this place. And, Father, that you choose to give us yet another day in the land of the living, that you will all be found in your house on time, prepared to worship you, to enjoy your presence, and to hear from you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.